some might call him a mad scientist. Some, man, they just see this amazing YouTuber that catches a ton of fish. But there's a whole different side to our guest today. We are talking to Mr. Tony Fagioni of Fish Gum. So you definitely want to have your notepad ready for this because you know there is going to be a ton of knowledge dropped all throughout the entire episode. So sit back, relax. You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Let's get after it. New week, new times. Hope you are doing well wherever you are, whether you're at the beach, driving, going to the gym, wherever you're listening to this podcast and whatever platform you're listening to it on. I truly do hope you're doing well and things are going really uh, smooth out there for you. So like I said, this week we are talking to Mr. Tony Fagioni of Fishgum. We've been planning this interview for... A long time, actually, um, and both of us have been ridiculously busy, and we finally found a way to carve this out for ourselves, so it's really going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, Tony, welcome to the show, man. Man, what is up? Uh, I will hijack your podcast, like, right now. So <laughs> I told you I was going to do it. You did. You but did. But let, let, me, let me start by just saying um, thank you, uh, Brian, for... You putting yourself out there and and really doing something that no one else has done is focusing on this surf fishing space and serving not only uh, anglers, uh, small businessmen, big businesses, but just taking the time to invest in all of our lives. And I can tell you that God is using you, and I just want to affirm you in your gifts that uh, listening to your intro listen to all of your shows we're in the 30s now and just seeing how evident that you are exactly where you need to be and i'm so blessed to be a part of the show and humbled uh to be here and be included uh in your this this next episode maybe it's 36 i can't remember the number but it is a, it's an amazing number to see that happen so <laughs> i'm very thankful for you and keep doing this and i can only imagine what the next years are going to be like. So we are blessed in this community because you are doing this. Yeah. And don't ever forget that. You're beyond awesome. Because you know, <laughs> this isn't even in here. And you know what? I'm just going to open with it too. Uh, first of all, thank you. I yes, will sir. firstly tell you that actually a lot of this has to do with you uh, that I started a podcast. And I will tell everybody a couple of different stories here because you're on the phone and you're stuck with me. <laughs> um, so I'm here, baby. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who listened to my very first episode, I kind of explained what I was doing with the podcast and my plan with it. Well, that plan had actually started a while ago um, when mm -hmm. it first started with my blog on uh, Our Never Ending Summers. Uh, I went to Tony yes. and I was like, hey, man, this is what I want to do. I want to write reviews, write about surf fishing because it wasn't. It wasn't overly written about. Um, and th there were a few writers here and there, but again, it was like, oh, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and you were like, do it. Uh, 
have at it. You know, you, you introduced me to several people that I was able to write stuff on, Ninja Tackle, uh, Salty. You, you know, you got me in touch with all these guys, and that helped me get that one started. And then it all kind of morphed into a weird path of, <laughs> holy crap, I know how to fish. Um, <laughs> and then, it, you know, meeting people, learning, and all that, it, you taught me a ton. And if you guys go back to probably a year and a half ago in Tony's videos, um, probably the second time I ever fished with Tony, we got stuck, stuck in a lightning storm, uh, bugged out in the morning. <laughs> came, he went back out. The, he went back out. He set up. I came back out. I was like, I got to go back out. There's got to be something. <laughs> and Tony was there when I caught my very first pompano. Um, mm-hmm. Super celebrated it. You know, definitely made me feel like a million bucks. And it was in reality. And I know you said, no, it's all you. Well, it was very much so because of you and your education that you had on wow. fish gum on the YouTube channel that made me realize it. One further one. Well, two further ones, because I'm going to run my mouth on this. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't for you and Bama Beach Bum, the, mm. um, I would have never known in reality what surf fishing was. Uh, I was in a YouTube hole in Tennessee during the... Yes. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. um, I just happened to go down a YouTube tunnel, and I'm like, what's this fish... fish? What surf fishing? What is, what is this? And I was hooked. You know, I went through all your episodes, and I started yes. going through Bama's, and I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this. Get moved down here. Hurricane Sally comes through. You know, welcome back to Florida, Brian. It, it, it was kind of like, all right, this yeah. is great. Uh, a couple weeks later, I bump into you at Walmart of all places. I remember that. You know, I did. I did feel your eyes staring at me. I mean, and at that time, I probably had like four thousand subscribers, <laughs> and I, I promise you. YouTubers are out there, but we're not famous. We're real people too. But I'm glad that that was the first connection we made at a Walmart. It was places. it was hilarious because I'm like, kind of looks yes. like him. No, nah, I'm not gonna. Bu- <laughs> no, I'm gonna bug him. Like, are you by chance? <laughs> oh um, man! And it was cool because that's how it all started. And you know, here we cool. are now, over a year and a half later. We fished together numerous times. You know, we've been through a bunch of stuff, broken bread. Uh, you know, so it's we've definitely yes. built the the friendship and shared knowledge and ideas and all that fun stuff. So thank you for everything you have done personally for me, but also for our community. You have been a huge help to, I dare I say millions uh, of people. And again, seriously, thank you, man. You're welcome. And, uh, I'm so blessed and just, and just really see the hand of God in all this. And, and I, and I'd be remiss not to just recognize that, that he has determined the places where we should live and, he makes those connections for us, and man, I'm so thankful to be a part of uh, your life and have you a part of mine, and that extends with many other people that are listening to this podcast today that, that not only feel like friends, but, but feel like brothers, and I am very, very thankful for that and actually need that in my life. Very very few often do we have you know, friends that, that would do anything for you, and I really believe that for the people that we are, for the persons that we are, man, we really are brothers to one another. So I, I'm really blessed by that. Yeah, man. Absolutely we are. Amen. Amen. So let's get into the fun questions here because there was sure. like, oh, you guys just going to jaw jack and be friendly? Like, yes, this is what we do. <laughs> if you guys actually listen to our conversations, this happens a lot. Um, we make fun of each other. We, we laugh do. at each other. We laugh at other fishermen, and we just have a good time. We truly do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what brought you uh, – what got you into surf fishing and where did you start? So I grew up, um, in this area. 
I, uh, I lived all over the place from Topeka, Kansas. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, Denver, Colorado, Manchester, New Hampshire, and then we found ourselves moving back to the Panhandle for my middle school and high school years. And the person that got me involved in this style of fishing, uh, and you've seen him before on a previous ambassador video I put on Facebook, was my uncle uh, Bill Sims. He's called Captain Bill. I call him Uncle Butch. And he spent a lot of time down in the Keys as a uh, captain on Marathon Island, fly fishing for tarpon, taking Roland Martin out there. I mean, he's got a long history of fishing with some of these people we grew up watching. But one thing he loved more than anything else was surf fishing. Uh, he bought me my first pin slammer with a pin 8500 reel on it, probably way too big of a reel for that rod. I think it was like a six foot rod. I mean, well, that was more like seven foot rod. I still have it in my garage. It's kind of falling apart. I don't really take care of my gear like I should. I'm learning still how to do that. Our but I really answers. credit. I know. <laughs> we try. I, we really try. <laughs> we try hard. I really credit uh, my uncle in, in creating this love uh, of surf fishing. He was the first person I was with when I caught a pompano. Uh, he was using sand fleas at the time. I and mean, this is back in the day where there were no floats, there were no beads. I mean, literally, we would we would have strictly 20-pound mono on our fishing reels, and we would literally put away at the bottom, tie the droppers as we move closer to the spool on the same line, and we'd cast it out there without even circle hooks. <laughs> and we'd still catch fish, you know, but this is the style that we learn. And I tell you what, man, we have come all come a long way now uh, just to see how much – the the gear the tackle has changed which has made us so much better but at the end of the day it really was uh, my uncle it was a relationship with him and really anything in my life uh, has been taught to me by somebody else so i'm so thankful for him spending time to fish with his nephew uh, on the beach so that's what that's what taught me i don't think there's anything better than family time at the beach and especially fishing I mean, it's Man, there's something there's about that bonding time there really is. And I, I tell you, you know, some of my best memories, I mean, my, my uh, father, my stepfather, my mother, they're, they're all, they're all passed away. But, but when I think about memories with family fishing, I have one memory with uh, my dad. We were uh, in Panama City at Bay Point Pier at the Marriott there. And the, the, the mullet were like pets. There were, a thousand. I mean, they were everywhere. And, and all I had was a little bait cast net. He had a six foot cast net and we literally caught our limit of mullet out there. It was a hunt, ended up going home, home with a hundred fish. I let him wow. clean them all because that's a lot of fish to clean. Yeah. But, but that's a memory that, you know, I'm so thankful for. He's long gone. And to be able to share that, man, those memories with family and friends go a long way. They really do. Absolutely. For sure. Mm -hmm. So, well, you nailed my other two questions with that, so nice job. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of get ahead of the game sometimes on this podcast. <laughs> it, it, it does happen. We'll jump a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into corral mode if I have to. Oh, you're good, brother. <laughs> um, and you do bring up a really good point and a, a question that's not on here. With gear and the advances in technology, I mean, you started out as a kid, and here we are. We're in our yes. 40s. You know, it, yes. we've definitely seen, well, you, you've seen it more than I have in, the, in that side of the game. The saltwater fishing in itself, you know, it, it had its births, and then surf fishing has grown so much. But back then, it was, you know, still kind of, 
I don't know what everybody tells me is, you know, the freshwater game was such the craze. That, that's where all the gear was. Sure. And then sure. trying to get your hands on saltwater gear was, well, you need it for a boat. That's right. And I was like, oh, how do you do that? Um, so you have seen, you know, so many changes. I mean, right now, which one, I hate to ask this, but I mean, because this is a hard question even for me to answer. What's your favorite <laughs> reel right now? That's a great question. Um, I, 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 I fish Daiwa Crosscast X, not because yeah. they're maybe the best out there, but because they're the most affordable for me. I think that if you are willing to spend the money, I would say go for something. If you are a seasoned surf fisherman, you live on the coast, you're not a vacationer, but you're able to take something that not necessarily is something you're not going to use in three years, but something you're going to use for a lifetime. So I think pen products are also great that fit that mold. And then you can take a step further. Anything that's sealed, you're going to use as a lifetime. Now, the 8500s that I have, I still own. And when I look at the, I don't use them right now because they're really heavy, right? They were, yeah. they were, they were completely uh, uh, iron, you know, they were, they're solid. I mean, you, you could, it would be a good weapon to have if you're in a hand-to-hand compound combat because you're so heavy. <laughs> but 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 it's such a great thing that I can hang on to forever because it's it was given to my uncle and now it's more like a shelf piece that I can remember fishing with him. And but there are other real options out there. Like I said, your your van saws or anything that's sealed. Even tsunami has those. That if you are somebody who lives here, you might want to invest in something that won't corrode as quickly as my dial was may so i just use them because they're, they're they're inexpensive for me and they're cheap and i like the long cast and they're the cheapest version in the long cast reels so that's what i use but i would say for the season angler who lives here long term you want to invest in something you're going to have for a long time oh, thank you for that that, that was you, yes. you took this in another direction but i'm glad you took it in that direction so thank you because i yes, also sir. have the cross cast thanks to you you uh, you yes, found sir. a way for us to get them and i love it <laughs> <laughs> um, with the with the technology like that showpiece reel that you have, I've seen you fish with it, and it, it's been on your YouTube sure. channel a couple times. It, it's the difference in the technology from then to now, with the speed, you know, the amount of retrieve, the smoothness yes. of the drag versus you know felt and graphite and carbon fiber. Exactly, it, it's it's night and day. It is night and day, and it's a step in the in the right direction. And I would say, because we're towing carts with two or four wheels any way you can save on weight that's the name of the game this year because there is some fatigue that can set in when we're walking the marine park going down a half a mile to a mile to find a fishing spot the lighter you have uh, in your gear in your in your cart the better it is long term and i think these lighter options are incredible uh, and so that's why i put down the pin 9500s SS's and I also have some greenies too that I fish and I love fishing the the antique versions but I've lost some fish using those because they're <laughs> older right <laughs> and so the newer stuff is great uh, but I would always say I would always lean on the best reel is the one that you can afford you know at the, at the end of the day you don't need all the expensive stuff it's great to have but but use the stuff that you can afford first and ask for some nice Christmas presents, right? I mean, there's we got Father's Day, birthdays, Christmas. To get a nice reel that will last a lifetime is also something to think about too. True story. Yes, sir. So what moving into one of the bigger pieces, what prompted you to start a YouTube channel? 
That's a great, that's a great question. And there were so many things going on in my mind uh, when I started that channel. The very first thing that I thought about uh, was fishing with my sons. And I think Beach Buzz and a lot of people who bring their sons into their channel, I know Mad Dog Surf Fishing does it too. Man, what a great outlet to not only experience fishing with your sons, but also to record that and then you know, show the world that what you're doing and, and also working in the gear you're using, the fish that you're catching, the bait you're using, and the techniques that you're using to, to help everybody in surf fishing. And that's kind of what my first thought was. But, you know, I'm not going to be the dad who's mad at their sons that don't like to fish. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really it's, – it's not necessarily their thing. They love fishing with me, but I'm not the father who gets upset about not taking on the same characteristics as me. And so what it morphed into is, is more – of here's what I'm learning as I'm going. I do have a lot of knowledge from being a kid here, but that knowledge is outdated. So we're not only going to learn what's up to date, but this YouTube channel is we're going to do some crazy things and to try new things because even though we think we may know it all out there, we don't. Yeah. So let's try new ideas. So it was more of a innovative surf fishing channel, and we did – uh, think about ways to work in a, a bait creation in the process. And I would say that fish gum is here today because of subscribers taking on free samples, giving me feedback, helping me to develop a bait. That wasn't the first start was bait creation. It kind of morphed in that way as we began that journey. And so that's basically how I started the YouTube channel, where it began and where it ended up. Okay. A lot of guys have mentioned the same thing. Uh, you know, it started as yes. a family one, and then it became a, well, let That's me right. show you what I've learned along the way. But you have made, That's right. you, you took it into, from that, into more. I mean, you, you I, I dare say, you know, you're one of the top five, top three. I, I don't know the analytics, but I mean, when it comes to surf fishing, you're one of the top guys when it comes to a knowledge-based platform. So all of that has definitely morphed into something else. Exactly. When did it kind of, has it always been, well, I guess we're going to get into that later on. We'll talk about sure. the bait and the fish. No, gun. whatever. Um, sure. So I'll, I'll hold off on that before I get there. Uh, sure. How has YouTube helped you as an angler? So as a, as a YouTuber, you've got to produce content. And so, uh, in my case, now I'm not I'm not throwing anybody in the bus who's who's a full time YouTuber. I think that is an incredibly difficult job. I think to have to create content to make it fresh, to make it new, to depend on you know new ideas, to put yourself out there, to get paid by YouTube and Google. That is an incredibly difficult job. And, and it, I'm I'm a little different because I have a full time job, and I'm also doing YouTube, and then we have fish gum as well. And so how YouTube has made me into a better angler is that I have very small window to fish because of all the things that I'm invested in, uh, family life, church, you know, so many different activities. And so it causes me to really research more of where I can maximize the time that I spend fishing, even if it is just one day a week. And sometimes it's not, it's one day every other week. So 
it caused me to really get invested into a lot of other people's lives, different forums, starting a forum, uh, connecting with charter uh well, not charter, but commercial surf fishermen, because I need all that knowledge in order to produce some kind of video, and they have knowledge that I don't have. And so without YouTube and the demands of trying to create content and really a, a really small opportunity that I have, it's made me a better communicator with other anglers, which can help me put, put me on some fish. And so that's how it's made me a better angler, being a part of YouTube with my limited time. And I would say that's that goes with anybody in life. Uh, if you're trying to just get out there and fish and do the same thing you're always doing, you're probably not going to be as successful as if you cultivate relationships and get to know people who can help you and direct you in those directions. So I'm my YouTube channel is a product of a whole bunch of other people steering me in the right direction to catch fish. And without YouTube, I would not have that direction. So that's how it's made me into a better angler, depending less on myself and depending more on people who know what they're doing. I mean, isn't that the way we're supposed to learn? That's exactly right. <laughs> I, that's I, exactly right. I mean, I've said it before, and I, I'll happily say it, and whether it pisses people off or not. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, every that's, idea that's, that's right. out there now is built off of someone else's idea. I mean, th and that's uh -huh. just – and that's in the world. I mean – 100 percent. You want to go back to Rockefeller or, you know – you can go all the way back in as far as you want to go. We've all built off Hello, something. iPhone. Yeah. Hello, iPhone, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, everything we do builds. And if you can make something better, great. You know, you, you've done that. You've shown some really cool tricks with a uh, perfect example being ghost shrimp. You know, you, yes. people have heard about it and then, you know, throw in their crawfish uh, and, and throw in <laughs> other baits. You know, these are things that people are like, huh, but it was successful. Yes. So now it turned into, okay, if it's successful, what's the next step? And, and somebody's yep. going to build off of that and then build off of that. And by the end of it, we're all going to be better for it because, you know, yeah. what if you if we're not adapting, what are we doing? We're just dying. That's exactly right. We've got to adapt. We've got to learn. We've got to learn from others. That's that's 100% correct. Yes, sir. So let's move into your fishing game because um, you've sure. already answered the other question about has it made you better. Yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, would you say, let's, uh, when planning to fish, what is your standard routine? So, the number one routine is, it, and I'm sure most anglers do this. I, I, I basically prepare a week in advance, knowing that I'm going to fish. I'm going to fish this Saturday, and I'm going to be targeting cobia from the beach with salt squatch from really? Hansworth. You're gonna throw yeah. you're gonna throw cobia from the beach in this one? <laughs> We're gonna try it. <laughs> and so and so of course I've made a cobia rig set rig. Right? Of course. I mean, it's completely it's completely novel. Have no idea if it's going to work. Uh, I believe uh, Bama Beach Bum's coming too, so we're going to we're going to try to we're going to try to catch oh, Kobe, which, which we're seeing it happen, right? We've yeah, seen it happen we did this see year, it happen. Like three or four posts, right? And so I think they're out there more than we know they are. We can't see them, so why not try to target them? And, and we're going to see if it's possible because yeah. right now it's it's all incidental catches if you're catching it from a set rig. But can you truly target them? So so I plan a week out in advance of the rigs I'm going to use, uh, the, the, the bait I'm going to harvest, whether it's ghost shrimp, if I can purchase sand fleas from Gulf Breeze Bait and Tackle, Emerald Coast Bait and Tackle, or Half Hitch, I will. Of course, I've got an endless supply of fish gum, so I'm going to be yeah, bringing that. Uh, and so it, it, it's a lot of preparation. 
and a lot of it also is really paying attention to social media to see where people are catching things. And today we had uh, some rumors of some sargasm grass, which can ruin fishing. It, it didn't ruin uh. fishing, but it can. And so it, a lot of it is preparing your gear, the rigs you're going to bring, uh, the baits you're going to bring, what what uh, you know where you're going to go because of locations other people are fishing. But this week, you know, we're planning to try to catch Kobe from the beach, so we don't know what's going to happen. So a lot of it is figuring out when you get there, and that's what basically my routine is. Okay. So, so you got the routine down. Now it's the next week. You get uh, – well, actually, huh, how convenient is that pause? <laughs> yeah. yes, 15 minutes you better be checking it close close ah, go get it <laughs> all right so ladies and gentlemen that is your first warning for your first bay check we are at 24 minutes 35 seconds so we'll call it 25 nice. minutes so now is the perfect time for you to reel that line in get it checked and get that bait either topped off cleaned up or new and out there hopefully you've already caught a bunch and you're just listening to this on your walk back to the car i mean never a bad day it does happen to catch your limit in the first 30 minutes we have seen it that's right. We've kind of done it. You've done it more than I have, but it's awesome when it happens. <laughs> it is awesome when it happens. It's nonstop, and it's crazy, and then you're like, it's over? Yeah. I want to catch some more. Oh. Oh, i got to go home. i got six. It yeah. stinks. <laughs> um, now, oh, I digress. I'm, I'm going to digress. Uh, last year, there was uh, the King... Oh, Spring King, Spring Pompano, King Tournament. Pompano Tournament. Yes, sir. Uh, I was out there with Tony on Team Fish Gum, with yes. Cliff Gardner, Tom Cabrera, uh, Mike uh, Smitty. I was like, what's Mike's name? Yes, Mike of Smitty <laughs> Surf Fishing. Uh, I'm actually wearing his shirt as we do this interview, Smitty Surf Fishing. Nice. And he gave this to me to give away as a giveaway and I'm like nope I'm keeping it my shirt so, <laughs> that <laughs> I happens I mean that's right I'm not gonna say I've, I've the thought of it I mean well it has happened actually people don't claim their stuff and I'm like oh I guess it goes into my bin thank you no I'm keeping it um, nope, mine so we we we, we fished uh, I think it was day two we fished mm-hmm. um, we went to Marine Park and got out there first light and we just got after it well Smitty and I kind of separated from the group and we been about probably another, I don't know, two, three hundred yards to the east. And yep. Smitty and I caught our limit in probably the first 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, but we didn't catch a three or four pounder, which we needed for the tournament because we, we, we were getting heavy fish and we were doing really well. Yes, you were. But here's Mike and I for the next four hours throwing back 13, 14, 15-inch <laughs> pompano. And people are like, what the hell? Like, no, I need a three-pounder, man. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, we get a little crowd here and there, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, We don't want to talk about it, all right? This is sacrilege. We're just doing what we need to do. Leave us alone. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were killing it. I mean, how, how many do you think you would have ended up with if you kept them? Oh. Like 40 or 50? I mean, it was at insane. Least, yeah, it was at least 40 Gosh. or 50 where we were. And from us down to the west where you guys were, you guys were on it. It was, mm-hmm. it was a bloodbath. Of Pompano Run that day. I mean, the whole beach was lined. It, it was rods from, I think Mike and I were actually the last one. We were close to being the last ones down you there were. at the Eglin Line. You were. All the way yeah, from there were. to the reef marker were rods. Um, mm. And Flipper came in and did some really great damage to fish, which was really a sight <laughs> to see. They but eight. it was, uh, we had a couple commercial guys out there with us, just a little bit down to us to, to the west. Everyone was just slamming big fish, and it was limit after limit after limit, and they were good fish. 
Mm. So th- those days, oh yeah, man, talk about a limit in forty-five right there all day. That was a beautiful day, and I, I remember like, man, I wish we had a commercial guy here. We could hook him up today. You know, there's <laughs> so much fish being caught. <laughs> he was about what a hundred yards from you, I think, to the east, right? He, he wasn't having the same thing. You guys were on it. There was something about that location. There was a. It looked like it was a. There's a cut out and of course the beach changes it's not that way anymore but we end up as a team taking third place which is great i mean i love that format of working as a team i I think that we knew each other ahead of time but we really got to know each other when you're really in the gauntlet right fishing together for the same cause walking away man we had we had an absolute blast that first day we were driving all over the place to try to find some place to fish yeah we were so dirty and our biggest fish actually came from that, uh, the Henderson Beach area. I think we that was with the biggest fish. We we did well the the rest of the time caught fish, but I think for some reason or other Destin holds some big fish. Yeah, that, that was that was an interesting hole. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a fun time. It was. All right, so you got to the beach. You've already done your planning. Um, you got it out of the truck. You're all set up. So now walking onto the beach. Uh, what are you looking for? Depends on how lazy I am. So. Oh, that's so but, fair. Oh, that is I mean, so that, fair. That is, that is like the number one thing is, God, please let me go to a spot that I don't have to walk far. Because <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I avoid Marine Park sometimes. I know it's great fishing there, but some days I'm just so tired. I don't want to walk. I have been fortunate the last two times that I've been out. Uh, it was during the tournament for uh, the Pedro Blaine area. What was that tournament called? The the, the um, Pompano. Pompano. Uh, yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Pompano Showdown. Come on, Pompano Showdown. And and by the way, let's give let's give Pedro Blaine a, a big hands yeah, yeah. you know clap for that. He did an incredible job. All the sponsors for that. What a great event. And it looks like it's going to be a, another event in the fall and in the spring again. So man, that was just so such a cool event to be a part of. But but anyways, for that event. I just was randomly driving down Navarre Beach. I was like, I'm just going to park here. Eh, this is the side of the road. And I walk out there, and that tournament was completely rough. It was the worst fishing conditions for a tournament. The people that won, I mean, you guys are awesome anglers. But that spot I went to, I could see it clearly. It was a, it was a bar where the waves were breaking, and then there was a cut where no bar was for at least 200 yards. So it wasn't the ideal cut. But still, if you could get to the very beginning of that cut, then hopefully the pompano would be turning back in or out, coming in and out of that gut. And so I think, I think we caught like 24 pompano in two days out of that area. Not big. I mean, we we're catching 12, 13. There was one 14. But I, I think those cuts are the best to look for. And some days they're not there. And my second thing I'm looking for is just if I can cast over the bar. If I can just get a bait over the bar on the backside of it, that tends to be a productive place. But I'm still learning a lot about reading the beach. I'm not the best at it. Like Larry Finch is awesome. Uh, Justin Reed is really good at it, Justin Reed Fishing. Uh, y- you mentioned other folks as well. And I think I think if we can read the beach better, if I can read the beach better, I would do better at that. So I'm still really a novice at that, and I've gotten – you know, in some good locations, but I can't find them all the time. Yeah. And so that's the way I approach the beach. It is, it, it, uh, it is a, like Cliff's, it, good, Cliff's good at it too. Oh, Cliff's Cliff. Good at 
Cliff is great. I mean, that guy, if you don't, if you don't follow Cliff Gardner on Facebook, he's, he's a quiet guy, but just look at his catches. That's all uh-huh. I got to say. Just uh-huh. look at his catches. Cliff could catch a pompano <laughs> in a freshwater pond. <laughs> That's true. That man. So if it's you guys true. also didn't uh, put it together, the the green get em rigs, uh, Cliff makes those. Uh, that's his rig, yes. and that's what he fishes with routinely. He kept it a secret forever. <laughs> you know, we're like, yes. what are you using? You know, we, I'm not saying we spied on his rigs, but we completely and totally tried to see his rigs all the time before he got them back out. Um, yep. But, yeah, he, he let that cat out of the bag. He's been making those rigs, and he's been super successful with it. Cliff, Cliff is an yep. amazing angler. He, he really he puts really it on. He really is. And I remember when you first – like he gave you some beads. He didn't give you the rigs that he had beads. Yeah. I remember seeing some text streams saying, "Cliff, these green beads are magical," <laughs> <laughs> and they really are. You know, there's something no one knows why green. No one knows why green. Now there are there are certain things that I caught on my underwater videos on YouTube that are pretty popular. It was some kind of shrimp-looking thing, and it was yellow and green and red, and that's the only green that I've seen. And so if we could figure out why this green color is working, it's something that they're eating. It's something we don't really have a lot of knowledge of. But these fish are attracted to green, and, and, and we need to capitalize on That's why these green beads work, and he's got some green floats too. So great, great rig. Love it. Yeah, a lot of fun. So we, we get all the line set up. Everything's uh, there. So what is your typical gear set up? And what I mean by gear is uh, rods, rigs, uh, stuff like that. What, what do you, how do you have your stuff set up? Well, this is where we get into probably what you shouldn't listen to me about. So <laughs> I, I am going really? to use <laughs> I am going to use two runt rods. If Love the those. surf if the surf is not greater than three feet uh, and the current's not bad, I will deploy runt rods. For some reason, I get the biggest bites the biggest hits, some of the biggest whiting I've ever seen before. I can use the same exact rig on both a 12-foot rod and a, and, and a runt rod, and I'm going to catch the bigger whiting. I've caught some of the biggest whiting in my entire life consistently on two-and-a-half to four-foot rods. So I, I don't know what it is, but, man, it, it kind of think it forces us to think, you know, lighter. But it may be, maybe the angle of the rod uh, from where the line is going into the ocean, it's really at the bottom, 12-foot rods, 13-foot rods. It's a little bit higher off the bottom, and so maybe it's targeting the whiting better, the big whiting better. I don't have a clue, but but that's something that I enjoy. I get a lot of flack for it. You're going to kill the fish because they're so exhausted after fighting it. I, I, I don't know if that's true. Uh, if it is, then I would stop doing it, but all the fish I've released that have been over a slot red, they're going back in the water. They get, they're getting away just fine. So I understand the concern. I'm using exclusively 12 foot and at least one 13 foot rod. So my spread is two rod rods, three 12 foot rods, either one or two 13 foot rods. That's what I use. I'm using a variety of pompano rigs. I use Salty's pompano rigs. I'll use the green. Get them rigs. I've got some frisky fin rattle rigs now that I can't wait to try. And then I've got some hand tied rigs. And sometimes, depending on the water clarity, I will go down as low as 12 pound test. And I try to stick around 25, no greater than 25 pound test. And you really need that, like the conditions we have for the tournament in Pretty Doe. I had to stick with 25 pound test because the current was so bad. I had to sling some six ounce Sputniks out there. And again, weight selection, I tend to 
weigh heavily on uh, pyramids first. And if I need Sputniks, I've got plenty of Sputniks. I do like the Sinker Guy Sputniks as well. And Rich Village has got some that are really good as well on his website, pompinorich.net. So those are the kind of Sputniks that I'll choose for. But I try, I try to lean on the pyramids first, Sputniks when the current's too bad. And that's basically my setups. Perfect setups. I love them. Yep. So during fishing, uh, you know, you're, you're out there and whether your timelines, what adjustments do you make while you're actually out there fishing? I'll move. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. You don't want to move, but you want to try to move if you can. And so I'm, I'm uh, editing a video right now where I started first light at Marine Park in Navarre Beach, and I didn't catch a single thing. I was skunked. I stayed there till about 8.30. I went down the beach into the, the uh, Portofino area on Pensacola Beach and limited out in 35 minutes. Called Justin Reed. He limited out in 45 minutes. Called Beach Buzz. He limited out in about three hours because the bite had changed. But it really amazes me uh, that if you're not getting a hit, if you're not catching any fish, it's a pain in the butt. But sometimes the biggest adjustment you can make is just move a mile down the beach and see what happens. So that's the main adjustment that I'll try uh, to make is moving uh, if I if the bite is not good. There's this isn't written, but uh, there's a pro that you and I both know, a commercial guy. I'm not going to drop his name, um, but he was telling mm-hmm. me recently about he was talking to you about what spot you were in. He de- described it perfectly. Yeah, how'd you know? And he goes, Yeah. No, 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 hold on, hold on a second. Don't don't bring up a bad story where I watch I catch three pompano and watch these guys literally no. 12 feet down the road. 12 feet away from me, catch 70. Don't you bring up that story. Anyway, no, go ahead. Close, though. It's really close. Where he did tell you, he's like, you know, if you'd have moved 25 feet to your left, I caught 70 fish there. And it's like, I asked him when I talked, when him and I were talking about these things, and I'm like, are you serious? He goes, you'd be really surprised what 10 feet to your left or right would make a difference of. And I'm like, okay, how, how did you, how do you see that? And he's like, years of experience i was like oh there it yeah, is man. you're not going to tell me <laughs> it, it really is i mean you bring up a you bring up a good point and these guys develop eyes to see where these fish are going to be staging and if you think about it he's catching 70 fish while i'm catching the 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 the, the really end of the, the the run where they're not really there they just kind of got lost from the rest of the school but that if you can find that school like they did that feeding frenzy mentality makes them more apt to strike what you're feeding them and so it's just like one after another because they're fighting over the bait. And here I am, you know, 25 feet down the, away just, just saying, I hope I catch a fish. <laughs> and uh, you hate being that guy watching them. I mean, listen, we've been that guy when people are catching Pompano and they get their limit go home at 6. But how many people have been that guy watching them catch 70? You know, oh, not no. many people. That, that, that was like, oh, my gosh. But, but what it made me think is, man, I, I want to learn what they're learning. I want to see what they're seeing. So we have to develop those eyes. I don't have them yet. They do. And the more we can position ourselves around people like that, the better anglers we will become. One thing I love that you've done in the past, you're using your Go Fish Cam. Um, and yes. If you guys haven't seen those videos, go take a look at them on Tony's YouTube. Uh, Go Fish Cam is a really cool piece of gear for not only for the social media world, but in my opinion, it's also an amazing tool for if you throw it out there and you kind of want to like after I guess after game and after plan, uh, after action, yes. however you want to say the words, it's really cool to see how the fish were coming in and how they attack, how they eat, how they look. We you, know, you could see everything mm-hmm. with it on a really clear day. Um, it really hurts the soul when you throw it out there and you see nothing. But you know that's also a lesson learned in itself. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, the go fish cam videos you've done seriously, everybody that they're, they're really good. They're really helpful for stuff like that too. It really is amazing. The, the biggest takeaway I have from those videos, and, and, I, and I don't remember this enough when I'm fishing live, is that Pompano and, and fish in general, they really do size up the bait. And if it's too big, they could care less about it. And we've seen a lot of bigger fish being caught on Panhill Surf Fishing and other Facebook pages. And, and the, the thing that I'm hearing now is that elephants like peanuts, right? Elephants eat peanuts. And right. so... You're seeing these big fish, and it's like a little tiny flick. It's a little tiny piece of fish gum. It's a little tiny piece of fish bites, whatever it is, and there's something to it. I've seen it on film, and they'll, they'll see that you know quarter-sized sand flea. Nope, I want the one that's micro. I'll eat that one. And it's just crazy to think about that, that we, we over probably overbait our hooks and are losing opportunities with fish. Yeah, I'd buy that. I'd, I'd absolutely mm-hmm. buy that. Um well, that brings you to the great segue. You always stress bait variety. Um, you've always sure. told me that. You've told it to all our sure. friends, and, and you've said it in all your YouTube videos. What do you use as your bait variety? So I, I'm going to start with just, you know, uh, real bait. And I, I would say, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a trade secret. We'll get into it later. But in, in my experience and living down here for – a large part of my life, I knew about sand fleas. Everybody has a shrimp. But up to 2015, and I lived here for nearly half my life, I had no idea what a ghost shrimp was. I saw the volcanoes and the sounds and bays. I saw them. It, you know, they, I always thought it was some kind of worm. But when I started using ghost shrimp, uh, and Bama Beach Women said this before, that bait's unfair. Now you can still get skunked on it, and it's it's a little difficult to harvest. But the number one the number one natural bait that I would say to use is ghost shrimp. Number two would be sand fleas. Number three would always have shrimp. It's so accessible. And quick story: my uncle, like I mentioned before, Uncle Butch, uh, he was having a hard time finding sand fleas. He came down here uh, in 2016. We fished together. He bought his grandson and. He had sand fleas. He couldn't find them, and he, he was not catching a thing. And I was like, you know, Uncle Bush, there's this thing called ghost shrimp. Have you ever heard of them? Same thing. Been here all his life. I don't know what those are. So I harvest them. I bring it to him. He looks at me and says, you ain't going to catch nothing on that. In fact, that, that surf is so rough, you're only going to catch catfish. And I'm like, okay, I see how it is. Right. You're the expert. And so I take the ghost shrimp with, with, his, uh, with his grandson, William. And we go out there, seven pompano later, I come up to his condo, show him what we caught. His first, <laughs> his first sentence to me was this, Tony, don't you ever tell anybody about ghost <laughs> And number two, don't you tell them anything about that thread you have to use to keep them on the oh, hook. The so, so, yeah, I mean, the, the thread is a key. And, and they are a pain, but they're, they're, the scent release of a ghost shrimp is really, it, it's second to none. And, and, of course, the synthetic side. I mean, I do stress using fish bites and fish gum. I do use both. However, because I have fish gum, I do use fish gum primarily. And a lot of it is because I am never stopping ongoing research. So if I'm fishing, I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking fish gum. I'm trying things new. That's the only way that I can advance. I don't have a laboratory. My laboratory is the ocean. So I primarily fish with, with, with fish gum. I don't suggest you do that. I do it personally personally to to move the ball forward with 
making the evolution of fish gum into a better bait, a greater bait, more scent, whatever. And so that's kind of what my mentality is. If you see me fishing, I'm also inventing, creating, trying things that are new. So those are the baits that I use. And I would say, you know, corn, garlic cloves. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to ring that one up, really? <laughs> we want to, hey. I got some hate from old Blake Hunter on the on the uh, crawfish. Yeah. No, nah, it's so funny. Oh, we we, we have such a great relationship in this in this industry that we can we can we can laugh at each other. And I will say, I will continue to do crazy things. I will continue to do outside the box things because if something works, then we all benefit. And so, crawfish uh, is a miniature minister, a miniature lobster. There are lobsters in the ocean. The scent profile of a crawfish is almost identical to a lobster. Uh, there are some principles that are different. That's why a properly used crawfish will work. Now, you know, it's a little inaccessible for some, so stick with what you can get. Go shrimp, sand fleas, shrimp, fish bites, fish gum. That's what I recommend. At least three, at least three options. I haven't had much success with clams. I've tried them here in the um, live clams. I've tried them here in the uh, Gulf of Mexico and the Panhill. I, I haven't had much success. I know on the on the East Coast, they have tremendous success on clams. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing here. I just haven't had them, and I think there's some opportunities to continue to refine that and try that, and make some videos to see, you know, what's the benefits, how can we use them better here. So there's, there's a lot more better options um, with clams too. I, I just haven't had that much success, success with them. Nor have I. Uh, and you know, yeah. I, I, Chip has sent me home numerous times. Uh, last time we came back, he gave me some live ones, and he showed me how to keep them alive longer. Mm-hmm. I, I brought them back here, and I couldn't, I couldn't pay for a bite, but um, another one that I love is, uh, is crab knuckles. <laughs> I mean, Man, I, I'm a believer, totally a believer. Yep. Yeah. That was, that's the one Justin's always joking with me about. He's like, you know, if he doesn't see me using it, he's like, where's the crab knuckles? Like, well, um, they're in the cooler. Why aren't you using them? Um, everything, I don't know. I'll just throw some on. <laughs> um, he's always said, he's like, that's your secret bait that he, he has saw, he's caught me numerous times. He's like, I swear those damn crab knuckles. Like, yeah, they work. They're so good. Um, yeah, they, they work. I mean, if you think about it, too, like, we have nobody really trying the um, snow crabs. I guess they call them ghost crabs that, that, you know, tourists grab throughout the night, and it's a fun thing for kids to do. People swear by that as bait, and that's an opportunity to try as well. You know, the, the ghost yeah. crabs that are out there, if you think about it, those things burrow down. And when the surf is pounding, it brings them loose and throws them back in the ocean, and that becomes a bait source. I've never used them and had much success. I'm sure other people probably have as their secret bait and are killing it. You know, we just don't know. Yeah. So things we have to try, right? And we all become better if we try new things. Yep. Now, I've, I've tried them a couple times, but that was before. But I'm going to get sure. them more because now they're finally back out. They if, are. If you guys fish around here or if you've never been to the, our region of Navarre, uh, it, fishing here is kind of an interesting one. Winter horrible it's a barren desert of hope and dreams normally you can just catch whiting (laughs) and you know catfish uh unless you're on the pier in short you know different story there but in the surf you know in the winter time you're pretty much always going to get whiting um unless it was 2022 in which case the whiting magically disappeared um It's like, where's, oh, they're where's there. the whiting? They're there. Yeah, Tony they're found there. the whiting at the pier, <laughs> and he didn't find just whiting, whiting. He found baby reds. Um, and yes. if you guys want, go you definitely need to go take a look at this channel on that because there, there was a lot of knowledge on that. So if you've been thinking about trying to get into the pier game, uh, Tony's got some good stuff covering for you right there. Yeah, you, you almost have to to shift. And we we actually talked about this today on a, a text thread with our group and 
you know, there's a lot of folks that have kayaks and there's, there's a time to shift away from the surf and shift to a kayak or the base or out, you know, deeper in the sea or go to piers. And if you love fishing to adjust, to find out where to catch fish when they're biting. And so as much as we love the surf, I mean, that's our go-to place. Sometimes we have to peel away from it and try new areas. Yeah. It's also, some fish. also known as June. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't even bring up the grass. <laughs> oh, I don't want to, man, to, don't want to think about it, man. I don't, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. I, mean, I can't say it. I mean, it was bad. In, it was bad in Alabama this year. I've never seen it last. Last year was so bad, the June grass. I've never seen it that bad. Yeah. Hopefully, we will have an easy June grass season. It's the worst here. Uh, man. We, we'll know next month. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> and it becomes it – becomes, uh, June, July, Ugh, August, yeah. September grass. <laughs> well, um, it's funny you bring that up. I learned tonight because um, mm-hmm. my my article is due for uh, Coastal Angler. Uh, sure. And by the time this releases, it'll be a little preview. That's fine. Um, I'm actually writing about June grass, so I was like, well, let me look it up. June, that is awesome. June grass, of all things, which I did not expect, is actually here from uh, the beginning of June to October. Oh, we feel it. Oh, yeah, mm. we, we totally see it. You know, we make fun of it. Um, but what I found out, let's pull up this article. Uh, there it is. June grass is an algae bloom, migrates from the center of the Gulf of Mexico, and works its way inland when water temperatures rise. Sporadic pockets of the algae can wow. be spotted as early as June and usually last until October before the water temperature cools. Wow. I hate June grass. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll hear it's the natural way the beach replenishes and yep. strengthens the sand. I'm like, I don't want it. Yep. <laughs> I know that may be true. Thank you, Lord, for it. But it is a pain. Can we get and if somebody the... who's listening can invent a, a fishing line that repels oh June grass, gosh. you would be a, cause a billionaire, right? Absolutely. I mean, you really would. <laughs> you know what? Now, this year, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say my idea and somebody else, please do it. Cause I'm probably not going to do it. I'm just going to coat my line in Dawn dish soap. It's a degreaser. I'm just going to launch it out there. You know, they use it on ducks and the oil spills. It should be fine. Repels June grass, Dawn. It will fly off the shelves, but it'll be a top shortage in this area. Oh my gosh! If that's true, like if that if that works, and I just said this on the podcast. Oh man, I'm. You know what? Oh, that's awesome. Somebody better hook me up. Someone had JC JC Johnson Wax got to hook you up some Don. There you go. I'll talk, yeah, you guys owe me royalties <laughs> a little bit. Well, now now that we've talked about that and we've hit this new time. Oh, it's number two. There we go. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is your second bait check. We are at fifty minutes, and again, bring that line in. Now, if you haven't caught anything and you're listening to this thing, it might be time to move. We kind of just talked about that. It's okay to move. Head to another beach, move 20 yards down. Either way, change it up a little bit. So speaking of moving on, let's get into that. What made you want to start fish gum? And follow up with that, what is fish gum? Okay. So I, I'm going to, I'll share some things that, that I haven't shared before. And I really feel like that because of the way uh, certain things have, have come to light with ghost shrimp and, and everything. I think I can talk a little freely about it. You know, I, I've been, I was intrigued with ghost shrimp. Uh, and, and when I was fishing with so many different uh, real bait options, just, just seeing how it performed. And, and so really the model, not that fish gum is ghost shrimp. It's not, there is ghost shrimp in fish gum. It's not a standalone bait. That's part of the buffet. 
uh, when when we talk about a bait buffet and I say that there's clams, crabs, shrimp, sand fleas, and more, a part of it is 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 ghost shrimp, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that just seeing how that bait performed and 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 really being blown away by that, and so that that kind of intrigued me uh, to think, you know, can we synthesize this? Can we put this into a synthetic strip bait? And 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 kudos to uh, Dr. Carr Fish Bites. There, there is no, there's no other synthetic bait in the market if it wasn't for the pioneering aspect. They're one of the greatest baits and one of the greatest minds in fishing of all time. So give credit to to the car bait company and, and what they've done. And so I don't want to, I don't want to build upon things that have already been done. So a lot with fish gum is is trying to be something different. And so the different part about fish gum is again, it is a buffet bait. And what that means is it, it, it basically presents scent of different organisms in both real bait extract and synthetic form. There's still some more secrets in there that I'm not going to reveal. It could be, it could be crawfish. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but it could be crawfish. It could be palmetto bugs. Palmetto it could be palmetto bugs. Love roaches. bugs. <laughs> love bugs because <laughs> it it's Florida. There is an endless supply of love bugs out there. I can oh, extract, true right? story. <laughs> But but really the the inspiration behind it is is just seeing how powerful scent is in the process of a bait excuse me of a fish determining what bait they're going to eat or if they will feed at all. So started with just really fishing and seeing the differences with scent, and then trying to create something that wasn't already in the market, which was a buffet bait. And that's why I always say use both baits because it's different. It's not the same. It won't, it's a lot of the way it releases is different. And so a lot of the way fish gum is today, um, how long it lasts, the scent release is modeled around uh, the ghost shrimp primarily. And so that's kind of where it got its roots. And really it was painstaking. And and let's, let's take a second with what we do. You're doing a podcast right now. You have a wife and a daughter that are in the room keeping themselves occupied. I've got a wife and three sons in there. Let, let's just thank our families uh, because they are a big part of, of the success that we have, of, of believing in us. My wife, Natalie, gives me the freedom to experiment. Sometimes it's very nasty what I do. And early on, a lot of my experimenting was in my kitchen. I was and wondering so when you are going to bring you this can up. Imagine, <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how nasty that is when you're extracting bait in your home. And so, and my three sons to 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 want to work uh, for me and 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 for this bait. And my son, my oldest son, is going to be leaving soon for college. So I'll, I'll lose one of my workers, and and he's worried. I mean, he is worried about what we're going to do uh, with fish gum in a good way because he loves doing it. And so, I am nothing. You know, we have we're only a reflection of the people who love us that are in our that are behind us, and and that's our families. And so. Uh, there as much, even though you asked me the question, what made me come up with this idea? My family is a huge part of this idea and they will forever be. And I'm so thankful to the Lord for, for their lives. You forgot to bring up the garage too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the garage, listen, I thought something died in there today. I went in there and I realized my garage, I have two fridges. One's a bait fridge. And for some reason, it unplugged itself while I was in Las Vegas for a week. Oh, something no. smelled like it was dying in there. Well, what was dying in there was uh, some sand fleas that were blanched. They turned black, and they started dripping black everywhere. Oh. And so I had to clean up yep. that nastiness. But I had a real – when I was making 
fish gum in the garage, which is it's it's really cool how many how many companies and I'm not anywhere close to being Dell or Microsoft or or Amazon, but all all companies start in the garage. It's so it's just a cool thing to be thinking about that. That it, you know if you have an idea. It, it, there's there's so many things to create man just use your home use your garage but my garage became ground zero for making fish gum it started with my son and his friend and they were in there producing on a very small scale but the problem is with producing a super scented bait in your garage is that you know fish aren't the only thing that like fish gum uh, so do rats. And so I must have killed <laughs> at least 12 rats in my garage. I remember this. It's, oh, my gosh. So I had a rat problem for a while. Not anymore. Uh, we keep the rats out of the warehouse now is where we're at in Gulf Breeze. But uh, the garage was ground zero. And I'm thankful I didn't blow anything up, start any fires. I did all the wiring myself. I'm not a electrician, nor am I licensed. But we had to get it out of here so I would keep my house uh, not from you know being destroyed. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the garage story. <laughs> I <laughs> love that story. Uh, okay, so y- you've been called the mad scientist sometimes. Why? So I will give you a free pack of fish gum if you can say who who coined that name for me. Do Rich. you have any idea? Rich. It wasn't Rich. Oh, okay. Hold on. Who else do I think would say that? Which, about by the you? way, since you bring up Rich, Rich Vitalich, uh, you know my my father's long gone. Uh, he died about almost 10 years ago. And, and I love having Rich in my life to have a fatherly figure to help with the, the, uh, the tough times of being a manufacturer and weeding through this new environment that we have with supply chains. And, and I'm very blessed to have Rich Vitalich uh, in my life. And so he didn't coin me. He's called me other things, no, but sure. not uh, the mad scientist. So <laughs> Matt uh, you, you want to give up on that? I'm, I'm going, I'm, uh, no, I'm going one was, more. It, it, it is a Matt. Okay. All right. I've lost it. What you got? So it was actually Matthew Isbell. Oh, the Bama Beach Bomb. He, he's like, yep, he was the one that first coined the mad scientist of the surf. And so, you know, that that is uh, – it's very true. And I, and I will say that what's funny is I think, you know, most people who – what I'm d- discovering, most people who, it, who are inventors are people who kind of have done that for the most part of their lives. And so – I have always been, even as a child, my favorite show to watch as a child was Mr. Wizard. I don't know if you remember Mr. Wizard, but Absolutely. Mr. Wizard was on PBS. It was PBS. I mean, the dude was doing some crazy things, electricity, you know, doing counterbalancing. I mean, all this different stuff. And I just love that. And uh, I thought that was so cool. My father, he was an inventor. I mean, he never came out with anything uh, that made it to market, but I remember him in the garage of our house in, in uh, Aurora, Colorado, and he was trying to make a, a magnetic engine that would run based on being repelled from negative and positive charges. And so he was a scientist man. He was a dentist. He's got a lot of you know knowledge in, in science, and, and he's helped me around, along, around, along the way. But uh, I'm constantly doing things that are crazy, new, different, and that's probably why I got the name the Mad Scientist of the Surf. And you know, I, it, it's something that – I'll take on. I love it. I love the fact that I am a mad scientist. I do things that are crazy, and uh, it sticks. It it kind of fits the persona that I am. Well, now that you bring that up, you have a new bait coming out, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Sure. And the fish being the ghost shrimp uh, yes. is the new piece. So talk, talk about the new bait a little bit more, because you, you hit it a little bit, but not all the way. 
So, yeah, so you know, the pursuit has always been to to synthesize a ghost shrimp in its scent profile, in the way the fish react to it, in the way the fish can find it really in any kind of water, uh, desirable fish, the ones we want to catch. And so I'm about 75% done. Uh, there, there are certain things that I cannot do without the use of a laboratory. So I will be utilizing uh, some colleges that have marine biology laboratories that I can use. I won't get in the process of what I'll be doing. That's more trade secret stuff. But we're close. Uh, we've, we've fished with a couple um, first versions, and it was very successful. But when you're, but when you're saying something is ghost shrimp and synthesized, it, it better work like it or people will call your bluff. And so I won't come out with it until it's 100% finished, until, until, in, in, until the way that it fishes similarly to real ghost shrimp. And that will, that will really help a lot of the harvesting of ghost shrimp. You know, ghost shrimp in Florida is not a regulated species of bait. Uh, in Texas, uh, you're only allowed to harvest 10. I do think that we probably will be heading towards some type of regulation in the future. It just depends on how much it's harvested. And right now there's no record keeping on the harvesting of ghost shrimp. Again, it's a great bait. Uh, it's one of my favorite. That's where we are. That's kind of like the, the ICAST preview, the ghetto ICAST, because I'm not going to ICAST. So this is my <laughs> ghetto ICAST. My ghetto ICAST. Listen, I'm a small businessman. I don't have the money to do that, but, but I will still get the buzz out there. So that's coming. Secondary bait, uh, probably sometime in uh, 2023, and I mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm back to figuring out what I did to make this happen. A lot of what I do is by accident. That's not because I've planned it out. It's because I made a mistake, and it works out. So we're going to work on a floating fish gum. And so, you know, most, most baits sink, and you add a float, it causes them to float. But to have a bait that also releases scent and is able to float higher in the water column, May, may be an added benefit to the floats you're already using because sometimes the baits you use with the floats will actually bring the float down and it will separate and you'll have the float by the joint of the rig and the baits dangling down not being utilized by the float to jig in the water. So we're working on a floating fish gum bait and I'll tell you what I do need help on and this is where I'm going to go back to enlisting the listeners of the podcast is that I would love to get brighter colors of fish gum. I'm using basic food colorings and they're not necessarily bright. So if anybody out there has got any ideas, shoot me a private message on what kind of coloring we can do to brighten up the bait a little bit more. So I think that's kind of a, a, an evolution I want to make is to get some brighter colors out there. So that's a lot. I just dropped a lot on y'all. Yeah, that's kind of a nuke. <laughs> yep. There you go, everybody. Hey, I mean, he brought it up. That's if right. you got some ideas, by all means, share them with Fishgum. You can reach out to Tony anytime on that. He is very responsive. Um, so Absolutely. don't don't be surprised if you get a reply. Yep. What has been a significant lesson learned making bait? Oh man, I, I tell you, I don't know how when you buy a box of Cheerios that they're able to produce that for four bucks for the family size. And what I am very challenged by and, and what I'm very thankful for at the same time are manufacturers. And there's nothing more challenging than that. I mean, when you're creating something 
from literally nothing and you're making it come together into a product, that's extremely challenging. And we're faced with new challenges. We're having to pivot a little bit. We're, tra- we're, we're, we're having to, to, to take a few steps back in order to take a fr- some steps forward in, in the way we distribute uh, because the supply chain is is difficult and it's very difficult for a small business uh, when you don't have your your buying power to get bulk ingredients and you're really dependent on what the market is doing and where those ingredients are coming from i had one ingredient stateside uh, and I'm, I'm trying my best not to raise my margins because i feel like the bait is right priced but i had a, i had a i had a uh, something that makes up a large portion large portion of fish gum go up 300 percent and so those are real challenges is how do you how do you how do you survive in a market that everything is more expensive and i think i think it's harder to become a new manufacturer today than it was 10 years ago uh, because of inflation because of the supply chain and so we are navigating the best way we can and in full transparency man this this uh this this i guess it was early on in 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 the year, I mean, I was I was weeping to my wife, just so worried about have have I done this right? Am I bringing my family down to a place that could be bad because we're we're invested heavily in fish gum and I, I was the lowest of lowest, just struggling, figuring out how this is going to work out. And the Lord's providing now, but but man, it's a real struggle. And I commend anybody who is creating something and selling it out, out of nothing because that is. That is amazing. It is an amazing process. So it's been a challenge. At the same time, I've been very thankful for every product that I hold in my hand that has been made by somebody because it's not an easy process. It, manufacturers truly are the, the, the lifeblood of, of, of our world. Without them, we have nothing to sell. And the prices are going to continue to go, which makes it worse. That's it. But. That's it. Absolutely. So transitioning into something that is, you, you've alluded to it on your previews for coming on the podcast, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to drop another bomb on you here. <laughs> Tony has come up with an idea, and he is going to stand by it. He's already said, like, this is happening. Uh, there is a new thing that Tony wants to do, and that's celebrate the four-pound club. Yep. Now, yep. I'll let you unveil this one because this is your baby, and I'll, okay, I'll jump so, in here with so, the history. Yeah, do, uh, you're going to do a history of the challenge coin yeah. uh, in a second, and and I, and listen, I, I'm, I'm personally touched uh, by this. I know that there was a, some certain, and I'm not tooting my own home. I, I try to be as humble as I can, and and uh, that's something I hold myself in check is to is to where the areas of pride uh, and arrogance do I have because I, I don't want to live that way. They all creep in our lives, but I was really humbled and touched by the Panhandle group that when we first got started, just, just recognizing that this group has brought people together and you guys did a, you guys did a salute with uh, fishing rods instead of swords at my <laughs> warehouse. And, and you yeah. presented me with two challenge coins and, and, and just how, how, when you get a challenge coin, you don't really get rid of it. I mean, it's there yep. as a recognition for the rest of your life. And, and, and I think I've been seeing some incredible catches this year I personally have never caught a four-pound pompano. I've caught 3.7. That's happened. I've never caught a four-pounder. So that four-pounder kind of is the the apex. I know Bama Beachbum on your last podcast with him, he talked about getting that one uh, mounted, get, getting that one, yep. you know, to, to remember the four-pound pompano he caught. So this is not a fish gum thing. It's fish gum sponsored. But I don't care what you catch a pompano that's four pounds on. It can be any bait that's out there. 
any bait. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to give you a recognition coin, a challenge coin that recognizes your catch of a four-pound pompano. Now, it's going to start this year, so if you caught one in the past, it doesn't count. I'll get details later. The coin is about a $20 coin. I'm, I'm fronting the cost of that. The only thing I ask if you want the coin is if you pay for the marginal shipping to get to your house to help me <laughs> offset costs and to be able to provide this for you in recognition of that catch. Also working on a challenge coin for our fish gum ambassadors. A lot of moving parts that I have to focus through on a daily basis, and I'm trying to do better at, at giving that recognition to the people that are on our team that are that are pro anglers. And so we're working on a challenge coin for those individuals as well. But for the everyday angler, you have an opportunity to have a one one of a kind. There's 200 being made right now, and I guess they're going to be a collector's item. You've seen some pictures of it. When I get the coin, I will go live and show you it. But there are some people that have caught one. I know Bama will get one. I know Salty will get one. Um, I think there's some other catches out there at the, at the Alabama Pop Stomp, and there's some catches at the Goldprey's Bait and Tackle Tournament. I'll drop some coins off to give to the people who caught those. They'll have to pay for shipping. It's local. But I feel like this is something that is a big deal. I mean, how many people you know have caught those? I don't Not know many. many people and to recognize that to celebrate that catch to be a part of that recognition i'm very honored to to invest in that for the angler they're gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) you gotta catch a four pounder buddy i do i need to i mean i I think I, you know, I I wish that I'd have gone back and weighed that one that uh, I caught with Justin, uh, the eighteen incher. I'm sure it would have been close, oh, yeah. but uh, you You're know, close. didn't have scales back then. But um, you alluded to this, so I'm going to go ahead. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I'll be surprised if you don't know this about me, but that's fine. So I am a retired Marine. Uh, spent my whole time doing fun awesome. stuff, doing that, and that. So the military, uh, we do have challenge coins, and the ongoing thing is kind of you can get them with you from your unit, from your commander. Um, you know, it's kind of a sign for, hey, you did a good job. Yeah, here's a coin. Uh, you can get them from commanding generals. Even the president has them. Every All the high to do's in the military have them. Um, and the challenge coin, if you are at a bar or something like that, and uh, somebody comes up and says, all right, drops their coin, it says challenge coin. Um, and they've got, you know, let's say it's a unit commander, uh, an 05 coin, and you pull out a, oh, that's cute. You, you know, you bust out one at a higher rank they owe you a drink. But if you have one or you don't have one, <laughs> technically you owe them a drink. So that, that could be also said with this one, you know, if you want to try to get free drinks, uh, yeah, I did not come, I did not recommend this. I mean, my problem for you, <laughs> unless it's military, in which case, yeah, you know, we all probably laugh at you and whatever it is. Um, sure. But if you go to uh, defense.gov and you search challenge coins, there are three different stories uh, regarding these. One is about World War One, where a uh, wealthy guy was, you know, trying to give something back to his men uh, at the time, and uh, gave him a coin as a sign of thank you. Well, supposedly he <laughs> he got captured with no ID, uh, escaped, and got picked up by a French, I believe it was a French Navy boat, and uh, they were about to execute him. Um, but then they, you know, he had no ID. They, it's this French officer recognized the coin that he had and supposedly gave him a bottle of wine, and all was well in the world. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh, that's a cute story. Um, it is cute. Completely unidentified, you know, completely unverified. But that's that one there. And then there's another one that I believe was in the '90s that kind of ran out with it. Started with enemy bullets, um, and grenades, and rockets. 
So uh, a coin size item was made of the unit insignia to accept proof of that. So you can you can really kind of go <laughs> several different ways with the coin story. Um, but yeah, it, it is a tradition in the military. You get them a lot for leadership um, units that you've been with and uh, just congratulations. So the, the military coin tradition is... It's an ongoing and it will never end thing. So if you want to know more about it, by all means, uh, ask Gunny Google, as I like to say. Um, and, and you can get a lot of stories on that. All right. So, so tr- cool. transitioning into a piece which a lot of people get turned off on, and I know I'm going to say this. Um, yeah. And you all can hate me if you want. I respect that. Uh, I don't overly care if it makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> this is me. They me talking. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we'll just get right into it. Faith has been a large part of your life and fishing and channel. When we started this, we, you know, we talked about it, and it's hit. And then, as soon as you said it, I'm like, <laughs> somebody's going to get angry. And <laughs> I'm the same one. I, uh, I'll i be the first one to admit, it's that's cool that you're angry. I'm happy that you're angry. You have your own oh. beliefs. That's good for you. Uh, but why has faith been such a large part of your life and, and your channel? Yeah. At a later time and uh, on, on, on my channel, I, I will do an official kind of testimony of how the Lord Jesus has changed my life. And, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's something that a lot, the, the, the comments that I get sometimes when I pray or when I talk about Christ is, you know, I, I liked watching your video until you talked about God or, or can you just keep religion out of it? And, and I, I just want to say, man, I'm sorry. Uh, that it probably had some bad experiences, and uh, I get that. I mean, we're all fallen. Even churches <laughs> are sinful, right? We, we're going to struggle, and it, it's a big part for me because it's who I am, and I feel like if I did not, you know, talk about Christ or thank Him or pray at times in my videos, it, it would just not be me. It would not be genuine that I would be living a lie, and, and so I will say out of all transparency that the biggest, the biggest fear that you have with being open about um, faith is that people think that you're somehow better or self-righteous than everybody else. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this now, that, that just because I, I bring in faith into my channel doesn't mean I'm a good, perfect Christian. I mean, just even recently, uh, I had some trouble, trouble with pornography in my house from my eyes looking at things that I should not, and it, it impacted my marriage. It hurt my wife, and I don't want that to be a part of what I do, and it's been a struggle being more involved in Facebook and uh, online media and all that stuff. It's so much easier to, to go down a path that is that is toxic and hard, and so that's that's my sin, and, and unfortunately – uh, this is an unfortunate thing. I can't save myself, but it's also a fortunate thing that I have someone that I can turn to, which is Christ, that can that can change my heart and and to help me in my marriage and to love my wife like I should with my eyes focused on her. And so all these things, you know, I just want to say that I, I am a sinner. I'm struggling like everybody else. I, I have I have issues um, that the Lord is working on and without him working on him, working on these things in my life, I, I would, I would fall and stumble and I would disappear into nothingness. So God is, God is working in my life. And so he deserves the credit. I, I can take no credit upon myself. This has always been a God thing from the beginning, from the end, from the middle, and there's nothing I can do without it. So why not, why not, why not give credit to the person that's, that's helped you the most? And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I can't, 
I can't live without saying that. And, and I realize it does put a target on my back of criticism. And, and I don't say this because I'm being pompous. I, I, don't, I don't care about the criticism. I just care about being genuine. And that's what you're going to see. I'll genuinely struggle and I'll genuinely trust in Christ because that's the only hope that I have. Good man. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, I've I've said it before. I mean, I always appreciate your honesty, and I appreciate you know. Sure, man. It's a, it's one of the few things that I know people are instantly you know they, they get inter- really quickly turned off on, and and if you're still listening sure. to the show, hey, thank you, um, because we all have our things. So you, that's right. You're a good man for being able to handle the things that you can handle and dealing with what you can deal with. Yeah. Nope. I can only handle them because he's handling them for me. I don't have the power, man. <laughs> I get you. Things that happen in my life, dude, I just can't I can't even I can't even take credit for it, man. I'm completely dependent. I try to be at least. Sometimes I suck at it, but it is what it is. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, father, husband, pharma rep, uh working in the that industry, bait maker, <laughs> YouTube influencer, businessman, angler, friend, encourager. Uh the list goes on and on of tags that we can throw at you and titles and and all that piece how do you do it you're going to give me a panic attack from reading all those titles off right now (laughs) you know uh, i I will say uh if i'm completely honest something always suffers uh either i'm struggling as a father uh, struggling as a husband struggling as a businessman struggling as an angler, a friend, an encourager, a YouTube influencer, a bait maker, farmer rep. There's something always struggling because it's impossible to to live that way. Uh, I have learned uh, by God's grace to not care as much about certain things because it makes me uh, it makes me more healthier. Uh, I've had I've had trouble with high blood pressure, anxiety. Not too many people know this, but I had a stroke at age 33. Uh, and so, you know, all that is very worrisome uh, when you have a lot of things going on. One thing I listened to recently that really helped me uh, was I can't give you the reference. Maybe one day I'll remember it. My wife let me listen to it. But I think the, the speaker was talking about relationships and spheres. Uh, and we as human beings, because the way God made us, has really only given us a capacity for like 50 relationships. It's not very much. It's not. I mean, that's a lot. 50 is a lot. But, but if you think about it, when you're involved and as you grow in, in your influence, a lot more people start coming your way. And it's impossible to, to please people. It's impossible to keep up with relationships. It's impossible to answer every email, every text, every Insta messenger. So I have gotten to the point where I'm thinking, you know what? It's okay if I don't answer back. And that's a struggle for a people pleaser. That's who I am. So I struggle at times. Uh, I, I need to do a lot more date nights with my wife. I need to have more one-on-one times with my sons. But something seems to always struggle uh, in, in all of it. And so there are certain priorities that I must make first. And a lot of it is, of course, my relationship with the Lord. It struggles sometimes. Uh, uh, my relationship with my wife, my sons are key, my church, my friends. In terms of jobs, Pharmaceutical sales is number one. I have to segment and cut off fish gum in my involvement until after hours or I'll get fired. And so there's just so much that I can do at the warehouse uh, in you know four hours 
in the evening hour uh, to, to make things work. So there's a lot of balancing and giving over to my priorities, but I don't have it figured out and it is a struggle. It, I mean, a businessman, it is always that impossible thing to, yep. to make, you know, the 25th hour, the 30th hour. It, it's, I mean, it's sure. a nightmare. And I, I don't have it nearly the busy that you do. I mean, I have watched you do so many things. And I'm all, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he does it, but he's doing it. <laughs> Good on him. Um, you know, and the, then I go, then I, then I go manic on some kind of idea and let's all y'all know. Like, this dude needs to stop. This guy needs to stop being manic right now and go back to just chilling. Somebody call Tony. Some, somebody call Tony and tell him <laughs> stop. I, I was manic on y'all yesterday. On only, some a, idea. only a little. Only a little. <laughs> It was just a, like a okay. Well, I mean, but, but, but we're gonna have a discussion. Time, let, let, <laughs> let me say this though. Let me say this. If I did not have an outlet of friendships like you guys, yeah, I would I wouldn't make it. If I didn't just let things out, which we gotta have is, and that's the worst thing about dudes is you don't share what's going on in your heart, right? You just keep it inside. You just kind of muscle through and be the tough guy. But man, being weak and vulnerable in front of each other, that helps tremendously to help me balance all this with you guys 100%. Well, dude, you got to get it out. I mean, exactly. I'll be the first one and people uh, here a little sign into Brian's life. The rabbit in my head goes about 100 miles an hour and it, <laughs> I, it, I see it. it. I see it turning. Yeah, it, it can go from fishing to oh, I got to fix that RV to Man, I remember that one time when we were at Al-Assad and this happened or and then turn around oh, and go, no. Huh? Where are we going? And why am I still driving? <laughs> Holy crap, where am I? Where am I? Um, you know, the, the brain, you can only handle so much. And to That's even right. have a friend or ha- have an outlet is really important. And if you guys, if any listener here, you don't have one, uh, dare I say, I'll happily try to message you. <laughs> I do my best sure. to try to answer messages as we all sure. try to. But, mm. you know, you got to find that outlet. you got to find that that freedom, that space, you, you got to make Absolutely. that space for you. And it's okay. It's okay. Amen. Amen. Ugh, I hate saying that. All right. Moving into the last pieces here. You're in the home stretch because we've been going, wow, this is at an hour and 20, which means do it. Third bait check. <laughs> That's right. Um, that bait's been sitting a while. <laughs> so hopefully you got hopefully you caught a bunch of fish and you paused and come back to this. The great thing about a podcast and unlike the YouTube world, you can stop this and come back and pick it right back up on all your platforms. Yep. In case you didn't know that, you don't have to start the episode over. I love that. Um and if you download it, that makes it even easier because you can delete it later. It doesn't take up space on your phone. All right. What do you recommend a new angler does before ever putting a line in the water? Okay, I got two things. All right, the first, number one, is make sure you're on social media, seeing where the fish are at, developing those connections, those relationships. You you and I know both that without panhandle surf fishing, having all this knowledge of what people are catching, we would get skunked probably 75% of the time. Yep. That, that has been the number one thing. I, I, let's just throw the, the, the gear, the bait, the tackle. It's always communication. It's always relationships. And you can even private message people and ask questions they may not feel like they can share openly about where some certain fish are at. So number one, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to an area 
vacationing or you live there now and you want to get involved in surf fishing, before you put a line in the water, get a part of a group, find out the lay of the land, you'll be a much better surf fisherman. Number two is when you're there, the very first thing I recommend is just thanking God for the opportunity. He created this beach for you. The fish were created for you to be caught. He's in control of every catch. You're not the best angler in the world. He actually is. And if you catch a fish, if you don't catch a fish, God made this possible for you to enjoy the ocean. So just be still and enjoy what he has made. He is a creator. He's made it all. He made it for our enjoyment, which is an amazing thing that we can celebrate these catches together because there's a God who cares about us celebrating these catches together. So that's the second thing I do, just take it all in and what God has made. Nice, man. Final question, or final two questions. First one. Yes. What gear would you recommend for a new angler? If you're a new angler, don't overcomplicate it. You know, I, I would say the most frustrating the most frustrating thing that can be for you is having the very best gear and not catching any fish. So start with what you have. Seriously, if you got a seven-foot bass f- fishing rod, take it to the beach. Get you a, a, a two a two-ounce pyramid weight and a, a custom-made surf fishing rig and throw in the first gut. Learn how to catch the fish first in the first gut, and then move on to something else. You'll have so much fun if you're just catching fish to begin with, even if you don't have all the seasoned gear that most of us have. Keep it simple. Remember, catching fish on a two-foot rod and a four-foot-six rod, yep. you can have a great time by keeping it simple. Yep, don't ignore the first 50 feet. There's stuff. That's there. right. <laughs> there's some monsters living there there are there absolutely are our last question what's next for fish gum and tony well just being consistent right just trying to manage my wife has a big part in in fish gum and and she she is uh really the 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 lifeblood of it all and mark burford said it when we met him at the uh, Pompano tournament when he was there selling us over the bar rods that she's the one who's the keeping it together. And, and she really is. And so uh, trusting, trusting in her and her ability to keep me grounded. That's what's next for me personally and, and for the business. I'm so thankful for the wife that my wife, that, that, that God has given me and I could not be the same uh, without her. So, just being all here right now, where we're at, that's the place I need to be. Trusting in the Lord, trusting in my wife, celebrating my kids, enjoying my friends, and catching a four-pound pompano so I can give my, my myself a coin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should you should totally you know count Brock's fish. It was caught on no. your gear. Poor, I think that's poor the, that's, Brock. that's the thing. That's the thing, dude. Is that if you want to catch a four pound pompano, just just come fish with me and use all my stuff. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that works. That works really well. Nice. For for reference here, people, uh, the spring pompano showdown or that we just did, um, the winning fish was not four pounds. Uh, if I no, it was a heavy Close. three, Close. very heavy Close. three, and it was yep. a monster fish. So, a four pound pomp. 
is it's a sight to behold. If you haven't had the chance to uh, take a look at the Alabama Palm Stomp uh, recently, mm. Matt Boyington uh, won that one with a four-pound four three. Ugh, I have to go back and look. He had it with a four-pound pomp, and it was a fatty. So right now the Gulf Breeze Bait and Tackle Tournament, the leader is a six-pound <laughs> pompano. Come on, man. That thing is – that's like gigantic. I mean, I, don't you wish you could see that in oh, person? Absolutely. Because you know no pictures do it justice. No. None. No. Like the the no. time I weighed mine and I saw Colby's, and Colby had a – I think Colby had a four-pounder. Um, It was at least three inches wide. At, at least three inches wide. No, it was it, it was almost a hand. Yeah, so it was almost four. It, it, it just you know they're big females. It, you know it, it. I don't know how they find them, but they're out there. So go get them. Yes, go get them. Get your coin. Get your coin. All right, Tony. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you and all the time you've given me. Not to mention everybody listening to this. You dropped a ton of knowledge, uh, and I hope that somebody. Well, I know. I don't have to say. I hope. I know somebody's going to be able to use it, and. Get make themselves a better angler. I know that's one of the biggest things that you've always pushed is, you know, hey, I'm going to give you info to make you better. And thank you for always doing that. Man, awesome. And and thank you for living a ger- generous life. And a lot of us can can emulate that is, is just to give. And thank you for giving. And I appreciate you giving your time to me tonight, uh, sacrificing time with your family to do this podcast once a week. And it is a blessing to all of us who who listen to it every single week. Thank you, brother. I I appreciate you. All right. We will see you again soon. I know that. Yes, sir. All right, man. I'll talk to you in a bit. Uh, Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We just recorded with Fishgum, Tony Faggioni, and we we ran the gauntlet. I mean, we had it all. We went from his style to all about Fishgum and how he makes it, along with the special announcements of the new Ghost Shrimp Fishgum and the four-pound uh, Pompano Club with a coin. So uh, I hope you got a lot out of this. I, I know I did. Uh, thank you, as always, for sticking around with me on this show. Uh, I know that I, when I first started, I promised you, oh, we'll do it in 30 minutes. Well, 30 became 45, and 45 accidentally became an hour. Um, and, yeah, I'm pretty much done with the time limits here because if I can give you this knowledge and you can use it, I mean, I'll do a three-hour show if I have to. So thank you for always being here. If this has helped you, like, share, subscribe. It helps this uh, helps me grow. It helps me do these things that I can continue to do, and it also is going to help somebody else out there that is either getting into the sport, has started, or needs another tip for their tackle box. It's all because of you that I am even remotely successful. So thank you for being here. Appreciate your time. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Have a great day. I'm out.